All right, welcome to the first ever episode of this podcast, I believe. I guess we should say. I'm 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 just assuming. Um I'm not even sure myself. Maybe I'll upload this uh, as the third episode or something. Who knows? Um but I thought just as a as a practice run for this podcast, I'm I'm just going to go kind of 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 a script here and uh I'm going to read um, the rules um, or whatever you could call it for the magic system that I've created for the story that I'm writing. So in just a few seconds, I'll start reading. I'm just going to be, be reading the text, all right? It's not going to be me talking anymore. In a way, in a sense, whatever. Uh, so here we go. Magic. Magic takes a massive amount of energy for humans to properly utilize. Because of this, the most common magic to be used in human society is enchantments. Many vocations have sprouted from this, making most of human society reliant on enchantments for everyday living. Most people lack the magical energy to cast even a minor enchantment more than once a day. Enchantments can only be applied to things with a physical presence, as the act of enchanting generally requires physical contact with whatever you want to imbue an enchantment with. This also applies to living beings. The act of enchanting will usually require some time investment, meaning that enchanting a person unknowingly is highly unlikely, though not impossible. It is possible to imbue an object with more than one enchantment. Each new enchantment will require exponentially more magical energy to succeed. This also carries a greater risk for the object in question, as more enchantments might harm or even destroy it. This particularly applies to enchanting living beings. When it comes to enchanting humans, common practice is to enchant one specific body part at a time in order to minimize potential harm. No records exist of a person being able to enchant themselves, meaning that any person with an enchanted body does not necessarily have to be a mage. Since things like tattoos do not count as body parts, tattoos can be enchanted separately from the body parts they're attached to. All enchantments do not provide positive end results, which makes it possible to enchant a person or a thing to affect itself or its environment in a negative way outside of their control. When a person or object has a negative enchantment casted upon them, it is known as a curse. There have been many cases of a person aiming to enchant an object but accidentally cursing it in the process. Though enchantments do have limitation as to what can be done, it is mostly linked to how powerful and skilled the mage who places the enchantment is, similar to casting magic, but much less dangerous to use. Even though most people only focus on enchantments, there are plenty of people who risk their life by casting. Casting magic is incredibly versatile, as it basically works as imagination in such a way that, if you can think it, it is plausible. The less plausible a spell you're trying to cast, the more energy is consumed. Most people lack the magical energy to make even a chair levitate, even at the cost of their life. This is of course partially dictated by skill as well. A skilled mage will spend less energy with one spell than an amateur. For this reason, casting magic is seen as dangerous, and anyone practicing it without proper training is more likely to harm themselves the people around them, or even lose their life in the process. Conjurings are beings with innate magical abilities. 
Though they can be quite powerful, most of them are weak and might perish due to lack of access to magical energy or magical exhaustion. Conjurings are commonly brought forth by sacrifice and will stay indefinitely depending on how they get along with the conjurer, granted they have access to enough magical energy. Though it is possible to create conjurings using normal sacrifices, the most effective way to create a more powerful conjuring is by using life energy, similar to when casting a spell. There have also been cases when a living sacrifice is used to bring forth a conjuring. This is classed as forbidden magic. Conjurings are not very common to see in public because of how volatile and dangerous they can be. It is said that magicians graded as master or higher are the only ones to consistently be able to control weaker conjurings. Most conjurings only specialize in one single spell or type of magic, unlike humans who can utilize most any magic, meaning that using conjurings are mostly for one specific purpose or to cast magic that requires specific conditions to activate. Conjurings are often brought forth uh, to try to cast magic, as the potential risk of death uh, for magical exhaustion is usually mitigated. Even when created with a specific purpose in mind, conjurings will have a mind of their own, and making them obey your commands is a completely different uh, problem. Conjurings will take any number of forms, from bugs and animals to inanimate objects. They will also take the form of beings that do not seem to be of this world. There have been instances of conjurings looking and acting like normal humans. Depending on the conjurer, the appearance of the conjurings might be similar from one instance to the next, but there has been no proof as to what causes this. One powerful mage might create 100 conjurings that all look vastly different from one another, while a weaker mage might create two identical conjurings and vice versa. Incantations is a term used for any magic you, you cast using your vocal cords to properly channel the magic. It used to be thought that specific words in different languages had magical properties, but this has been disproved. Though cases where specific words have been necessary are usually classed as pacts and sometimes even proven to be cases of conjuring simply responding to commands. Incantations are usually seen as a different form of casting magic, and many consider them as the same thing. A pact is when you have set certain conditions for how or when you're able to use the spell successfully. This in order to make the spell more efficient or powerful. Most times, it also makes the spell easier to use, depending on the conditions you have set. The more specific conditions are, the more powerful and easier to cast the spell will be. You can make the spell even easier and or more powerful by setting up sacrificial conditions as well. Breaking a pact will only have consequences as far as uh, what the pact itself entails, meaning that if you break a pact to only use a spell during a specific day, you might just use the normal amount of magical energy and get a lesser result. But as earlier stated, setting up sacrificial conditions might make a pact stronger. If you set up a pact to lose your arm if you didn't perform the spell correctly, the pact would be more powerful. Most people who use enchantments in their professions will have created a pact in order to easier perform the enchantments. Examples of a weaker pact might be a man will only enchant an object on a Friday. 
A stronger pact might be a man will only enchant an object during a full moon. An even stronger pact might be a man will only enchant an object during a full moon and he will lose his life if he breaks this pact. Gods and deities, more commonly known as higher beings, are prominent in this world and they hold immense magical energy incomparable to that of any human. As religions have sprouted around these higher beings, some of them have allowed humans to create pacts relating to them and their powers. This allows the humans who make a pact to take part of the magical energy the particular higher being holds. Creating a pact with a higher being will allow you to do things like casting magic with a lesser risk of death as it uh, will consume less magical energy and because of the pact you will have a perfect knowledge of the spells you use. Most if not all packs with higher beings are created with a caveat that using any other magic while the pact is active will mean death to the person in question. This is because higher beings, while extremely powerful, are not willing to share their magical knowledge with others, and mixing their magic with another is generally not something they approve of. As more people create packs with these higher beings, the more powerful the beings in question grow. It is unknown to what extent these beings have grown to this day, and what they do with their powers are usually not questioned by any person involved in a pact with said beings. Dispelling magic, commonly known as null magic, is considered the most difficult and complex magic to handle. This is because any null magic needs to act as a complete antithesis of the magic it is used to nullify. Therefore, null magic is almost never used to dispel any casting magic. Null magic is most commonly used to remove unwanted enchantments from people or objects, many times in order to more easily imbue another enchantment. Even though the use of uh, null magic is fairly uncommon and even considered a forbidden magic in some places because of its possible harmful uses, null magic mostly came about because of a need to remove curses and unwanted enchantments. Mages capable of properly utilizing null magic are usually very wealthy because of how sought after the skills are. Though the monetary gain is a good selling point for the null magic, the risks that come with using it are usually even greater than using casting magic, which is why we see so few practitioners. Combining magic types is possible, yet very few people utilize it because the merits of combining are usually seen as quite minuscule. Being able to use, utilize enchantments as casting magic might have its benefits when it comes to enchanting something you're unable to touch. For example, if you need to enchant someone's brain or heart. But because it comes with the great risks of casting magic, very few people are able to utilize this to such an extent where it's seen as worthwhile. Enchanting an object with a conjuring is known as possession, meaning that the object in question will have a conjuring living inside it. I just realized that I I haven't finished writing this part. (laughs) So we'll circle back to combining magic uh, later, I guess. I'll have a sip of water here before I keep going. This is fun, isn't it? We've already been going for like 13 minutes.
<clears throat> the magical capabilities of a person is understood to be decided at birth, though this is a misconception caused by the fact that increasing it is an extremely slow and tedious process requiring a lot of time and dedication. Even though there exist methods to significantly increase your magical output, little is known about them aside from the deadly risks they usually entail. A common workaround to this is using enchantments, though a more effective way is to equip yourself with sacrifices. Sacrifices can be anything containing magical energy being used for magic. Most common sacrifices might be crystals mined from the earth containing magical energy or concentrated magic extracted from a living being. Even though all living things contain magical energy, using a living being as a sacrifice is close to impossible without their consent. Though there exist uh, exceptions, it does fall under the category of forbidden magic. Staves and wands uh, were traditionally a common way to store and use sacrifices, which is why many mages still use them, even when more convenient and sometimes even more efficient tools uh, exist. Though not necessary, a staff or a wand will usually have a sacrifice affixed at either one of both ends, making it easier to replace and or recharge. Humans are all born with an inherent affinity towards some type of magic, be it enchantments, casting, incantations, conjurings, and even sometimes null magic. Because of this, humans born with an affinity towards enchantments usually find themselves involved with magic much more so than others because of how useful it is to society. Anyone can of course use any type of magic, but a person born with an affinity towards casting will have, a, have to work a lot harder to succeed with conjurings than someone born with that as his, as his affinity. A person who is born with one affinity who decides to specialize in another will see their affinity gradually shift as they become more skilled with the other. All people will always have an affinity towards null magic. Just as long as you understand the type of magic you have an affinity with, you will be able to understand how to nullify it. Because of the magical energy that each human innately has in them, people make use of any dead by draining their bodies on magic before they bury or cremate them. This is not common when dealing with dead animal, as removing the magic also drains any water and nutrients away from the body, rendering any meat inedible and sometimes even toxic or poisonous. This is of course utilized when dealing with things such as leather crafting. After removing the skin from the animal, it is also used when doing taxidermy and for creating intricate puppets for enchantments or possessions. All right, so there we go. Uh, that was uh, me just reading what I have from my magic system in the story I'm writing so far. Uh, I've had a lot of fun creating a magic system, actually. It's been something that I've just had in the back of my head uh, ever since I started working on it. Like, I, I didn't really have, like, a set... Uh, I, I didn't have any rules or anything specific in mind when I started creating it. I just had like the, a general idea of how like difficult I wanted magic to uh, be to you like uh, to use to utilize in this world. Uh, I wanted it to not be too easy, and I wanted it to be really difficult to cast like um, or to 
use any like high level magic i i don't want people to just be like oh that guy he, everybody knows how to do this type of magic like i wanted and every type of magic to be like difficult nothing is easy to do when it comes to magic in this world and that's why i chose enchantments to be the most common one because like it's something you set it onto something else I don't know. I I just really like that, and we'll see how it evolves uh, as I keep adding on to it and think of more rules and exceptions and such. Um, but yeah, so that is um, the magic system for the story I'm writing called uh, Spellslinger. It's still a working title, and I really want to use it because um, the world I'm creating uh, it's it's very inspired. Like I want the classical like. Uh, what do you even call them? Like uh, a magician's hats and stuff, like in cloaks and stuff like that, combined with a uh, more of like a wild west aesthetic. Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe even like a steampunk aesthetic. Like, so another title for this would be like Guns and Mages. Is what I thought of, because um, I want it to be set like um, in a setting similar to. Um, what do you mean, like the west coast of America almost, or close by? But we'll see how that works out. But that's been it for this first ever episode. It's a short one today because I just read, the, uh, read off this thing. Um, and it's also a test, so we'll see. But thank you for listening in, anyone who did. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Goodbye. <laughs>